having you know financial stress from COVID and emotional stress from COVID coming in it's just been really tough so I think you know doing it tough means a lot at the moment aside from just financially you know I could probably get by with a, you know a bit of groceries and extra things but just like a bit of extra love to some of us who may not feel it right now has been really important. I'm Danny Vallant and this is Dirty Linen the podcast that takes the issues the hospitality industry finds hard to air in public and shakes them all about. We're continuing our discussions with and about temporary visa workers in hospitality in Dirty Linen this week. Uh, And I'm really excited and happy to have as part of the conversation, Caitlin Chase. Uh, Caitlin is a a bright spark that I've met through the Attica Soup Project. So every Thursday we give out soup and groceries to people on temporary visas who are doing it tough in these crazy times. And it's always a delight to have Caitlin come along. Um, But yeah, Caitlin, it's it's not easy times, is it? Uh, Not at the moment in any way at all. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about what's going on for you. Yeah, so of course... um, you know, there is the COVID that we all know and hate at the moment. Um, but the yeah, the year in the past couple of years have been quite rough for me with family at home in Texas being quite sick. Um, last year, my dad was diagnosed with brain cancer in January of 2019. Um, my mom this year in January was diagnosed with um, a stage four lymphoma and yeah, my sister is actually um, currently incarcerated with a failed liver. And it just sounds wild to everyone, I'm sure, so I'll stop it there. But it's um, a huge family drama at home. Um, and having, you know, financial stress from COVID and emotional stress from COVID coming in, it's just been really tough. So I think you know, doing it tough means a lot at the moment, aside from just financially, you know, I could probably get by with, a, you know, a bit of groceries and extra things, but it just like a bit of extra love to some of us who may not feel it right now has been really important. Mm, it's so much going on. And you checked flights home to Texas the other day and, and how much is a ticket home? Yeah, well, it's changed since then. Um, but the, the day that I checked it, the day that I was making the decision of whether or not to even investigate, you know, the, the hoops to jump through to get home and back, um, it was $15,000 that day for <laughs> a return ticket. Um, yeah, that's super crazy just to get there fast enough that is you know because I didn't mention it but it was really you know the need to leave the day or the next because my mom was placed in a hospice care two uh nights ago so it was really the immediacy for that figure (laughs) wow that's yeah I really I really feel for you um I mean and Texas as well is super crazy right now yeah I think they're still coming up around you know five to six hundred deaths or yeah oh god I don't even know I don't look at it anymore I tried not to think about it my family luckily aren't in um they're not really in probably close contact with anyone since they are already so immunocompromised (laughs) so I sort of shut it out but yeah 
it's a crazy place right now because of the virus protests, all sorts of things. Yeah, I mean, I think when the pandemic began, uh, you know, obviously there were countries in Europe like Italy and Spain that were doing it so tough. Um, and I guess the US response from the beginning was questionable to say the least. But I guess the countries that you'd sort of, uh, you know, I, I assumed we'd feel um you know, stricken about thinking about anyone going back to would perhaps more be countries, um, you know, developing countries. I guess the United States, I just thought it was, you know, if you needed to go home to the US, you just go home to the US, you know, if, if you needed for family reasons to head back there or whatever it was. But it's certainly, the, the US feels like a place that you just wouldn't want anyone to need to return to at the moment. No, it's really bizarre, isn't it? Because, you know, if you don't know in great depth um but some people do some people don't but you know obviously everyone is learning that our healthcare system is really poor um social support is very poor uh there's not a whole lot that the government really does for people and people are quite independent so you know it's um it's a big fight at the moment between people who are for social change and those who aren't you know for example i was reading an article um a friend posted just about, you know, Senator Ted Cruz saying, you know, who is from Texas, that um, waiters and waitresses didn't um, deserve further support, uh, unemployment support, because they were being lazy and probably making more on unemployment than they were making in their jobs. But what most people don't know is, you know, on a paycheck, when I worked in Texas, I made $2.13 an hour. So, it is possible that people were making more on unemployment, but it's skewed, you know? Right. So here <laughs> I, see, like, I get a bit annoyed about JobKeeper and that sort of thing, but for me to have gone home wouldn't have made much difference. I would be in the same situation or worse. Wow. So tell us about your situation here. You, you've been, um, you know, you've, you first came to Australia about five years ago, right? Yeah. Yes, I did on a working holiday visa. January 2015, and then I've worked front of house in some really great restaurants since then, like quite, you know, notable and had really, you know, good and different and interesting experiences. I've applied for a partner visa um, with my partner, Matt, and I've just finally been able to apply for my permanent residency last week. So I've been on a bit of a roller coaster of having a job here, having a job at home, going back and forth, trying to figure out what to do. So I think just as the last year or so is setting in and I could finally breathe a bit more comfortably, <laughs> it's all kind of gone in shambles again. You know, I'm trying to work a couple takeaway shifts, find anything to do. But at the moment now, my mental state is sort of <laughs> a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, I can imagine. To deal with, I mean, I'm fine, but it just can be hard to motivate, you know. I see everyone with their cool side hustles and everything, and I'm like, ooh, I could market those cookies, I baby. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, I think I'll just hide in my, in my sofa hole. <laughs> well, I think that's it. It's like it takes so much energy to keep hustling and to keep changing and with a situation that's so fluid, you know, one minute you're wondering if you should go home, the next you're, you know, applying for permanent residency here. I mean, it's all it's all very taxing and draining. Yeah, and I think it's um, 
Yeah, it's just something that, you know, I didn't really think too much about when I moved. I was like, this is exciting. Going to Australia, I'm going to live here. This is great. And then, you know, one family member got sick and then the next one and the next one. And I was just going, okay, now what do I do? You know, I'm pretty established, as so many people here are. To make a choice like that is not just, you know, financial. It's just so full-on emotional that you just don't know what to do, you know. And so I can only imagine what, you know, all of us, so many of us are going through that's not just a financial worry. Yeah, if you could see, like, all the thoughts and emotions and the strands of thinking and you know that if you could see that roller coaster that people feel like they're on so much like it would just be a very busy site wouldn't it it would just you could just like just be like crayon drawing and scrolling all through the yeah it would just be a crackling craziness of radio waves and activity there's just so there just must just be such a swirl of thoughts and emotions that you're going through yeah And I mean, and at the same time, still trying to work and so many of us just trying to do something and, you know, at the same time watching so many businesses here struggle and I'm absolutely not insensitive to that. You know, everyone's having a bit of a rough time. I completely understand, but it's, it's so different sometimes even, you know, I'm the only person in front of house at my job that isn't on JobKeeper or JobSeeker. And I'm so happy to have been able to stay. I'm very lucky um, to have a few shifts. But, you know, that also kind of wears on a person going, oh, you know, I'm still alive. I'm showing up and I have to. And, you know, I'm going to work tonight, even though everyone keeps telling me to stay home. I'm like, well, I don't know that staying home will help my mom out. But so I'm just like a lot of other people probably are trying to do. It can be a little discouraging when, you know, you can't do what you're used to. You can't be as self-sufficient as you're used to. I think it must also be really hard when, you know, you've just been at your workplace and everyone's just sort of just, you know, on the roster and it's just you're all in it together and then you've got this device called JobKeeper which really separates you out from the rest of your workmates. Yeah, and it felt like that a lot and not in a way that it was anybody's fault, you know, but honestly if I were going you know, if I were getting paid the job keeper and I didn't have to work, I wouldn't be over here going, oh, just let me in there, you know, and I'm like that right now because I'd take as many shifts as they'd give me. I know that I'm only on a couple to, you know, keep finances in order for them and that's completely fine, but I can understand, you know, some people's mentality, but it just makes it really frustrating for, you know, a lot of people who want to work but can't. And I think that's, you know, where some of that fairness in JobKeeper could have come out. You know, I've worked at my job for almost two years and I was working, you know, nearly full-time hours. And I think that something like that would have been the sort of thing that should have been considered, you know, for some of us who, and people I work with, chefs who are sponsored, who are in the same boat, you know, they've nearly been able to get a permanent residency or been here long enough and it's just hard. I I wish that something like that had been considered, just the time that we've spent at our jobs. 
Yeah, well, I guess it was considered for Australians or permanent residents in terms of, you know, the casuals who'd been in jobs for more than 12 months were eligible for JobKeeper if they were residents, Australian citizens or um, permanent residents. But the um, temporary visa holders such as, as yourself and the sponsored workers that you're talking about were excluded from JobKeeper. And unfortunately, as, you know, we've seen in the past couple of weeks, the JobKeeper review has come out and JobKeeper has been extended, but the eligibility criteria have not been expanded to include people such as yourself, um, which uh, I don't think is right because it just leaves you in absolute limbo and, um, and yeah, and desperate for whatever shifts you can scrape together. But I think that's, um, that's also a situation that can put you, you, people who are in that position and the rest of our community in danger if you're so desperate that you would have a have a sniffle or a scratchy throat but you still felt um, that you couldn't say no to a shift that was put before you. So I'm certainly not saying that you would be you would do that or you'd be in that position but you can totally see how people would be when um, they're so desperate but they're not able to get any assistance to stay away if they're not feeling well. Definitely and I think you know it's the thing definitely with us who have these few shifts and need to get in for that money and get that support because we're not getting it otherwise. But I think there are also a lot of people and just things I've thought about or heard that, you know, if you are, if you're a business owner and your business relies on you showing up to work, something like that, you know, you, you would think a few times over, should I, go or should I get the test? Should I risk being at home? I don't know. There's a lot for everyone to think about. And I think that's quite a huge issue. But luckily, if you know you are Australian, you will have that bit of support. And if you're not or not a permanent resident, then yeah, we've got a bit more to think about probably. Yeah. I, I did hear news uh, just uh, this week that people working under the awards that are, apply in aged care settings will be able to access pandemic leave. And I haven't read into it closely, but it sounds like that it's just a matter of being under the award, that it doesn't actually depend on your visa status. So I'm hoping that that's a little um, ray of light where, you know, a little um, the door is just opening a crack and we can push it open a bit further and that some of those, um, some of the other awards, including the Hospitality Industry Award and the Restaurant Industry Award, will also have provisions such as that where there is pandemic leave for everybody who is working under those awards. So I, I don't know, I, I feel like there's always new angles to try and the scenario and you know the scenario is always changing so there's I guess there's new ways to agitate and push for change but I just wish it wasn't so hard and so draining and so wearing for people such as yourself yeah it's I mean and I I feel sort of you know it's tough sometimes and people are like oh the government's so harsh and it's so bad and I kind of I can agree that things could be different of course but, you know, when I also look at things in the way they're going at home, I just try to keep an open mind and with everything, really, because oh, I, I kind of think it could be worse. You know, honestly, it's a weird thing to hear probably, like you said, someone from the United States kind of going, <laughs> I don't want to be there, but I don't really want to be there aside from, you know, to be with my family. But that's pretty impossible just given the current, yeah, the current climate. 
Yeah. Oh no, I, I do understand. You the United States just seems so fraught and so scary. Uh yeah, like looking forward to the election, that seems like it's uh I don't know. It just seems like there's no certainty. I couldn't have imagined that um Trump would have got in, in twenty sixteen. It seems so clear that he can't get in in twenty twenty. But then I mean <laughs> I just feel like I have no certainty about there's about sensible things happening in the world right now. Just feels like anything could happen. Exactly. Sensible is a good word. You're not even talking about good. You're just talking about sensible. Like, please let it make sense. And um, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it seems like I'm like, I'll just go with sensible. Not great. Sensible. Maybe make America sensible again is a good slogan <laughs> for somebody out there. Yeah, that would be good. Hey, um, so. I remember when we were like probably maybe in the first month of the soup project, we made a Mexican or it wasn't, it was like a Tex-Mex bean soup. It was a bit of a made up recipe. We got some really beautiful sofrito from Radio Mexico in St Kilda. They helped us out with some ingredients and it was all super delicious. And um, yeah, tell me, tell me what you thought of that soup. Oh God, what did I say about it? It was so, it was actually really tasty. It was just the funniest, but like most ultimate Tex-Mex combination because the beef was really smoky. It reminded me of brisket, but you know, it still had all of this sort of, sort of, sort of Tex-Mex soup. So I won't speak for Mexico because obviously I'm more familiar with Tex-Mex cuisine, just that sort of fusion, but it was like having Texas barbecue in a Mexican flavored soup. It was quite good. <laughs> it reminded me of home. <laughs> So tell me about the food um, of Texas. Tell me, tell me what you miss, and and also, you can be honest. Tell me how we do with that kind of food here. Honestly, it's gotten I, since I've been here for my five years. I found so many American foods to just have gotten exponentially better. Just foods that I'm familiar with. I've been able. But I've also been here long enough to investigate and find places that remind me most of home, but. You know, I always, I wouldn't say I miss a good burger because I can find a good burger now, but that's a good one. Um, love, you know, barbecue, smoked meats, just done the bit of a fatty way because I find that's always missing a little bit. Just get the extra flavors. Um, margaritas, I've told you this before, my just reasonably priced fresh margaritas on the rocks, not up. There's just a few little things, but I found that now, you know, I can basically get, aside from, you know, niche chain food like Whataburger, the best drive through fast food burgers in the world, like I can get most things here <laughs> or I can make them like I've learned to make them. I did actually bake last weekend. I forgot. I made a cobbler. Oh, you made a cobbler. Yeah, which most people think of crumble, but it's more like a bready topping that just kind of is cakey and soaks up all the juicy cinnamony goodness of fruit <laughs> what fruit did you put in it oh so i had some delicious apples from the attica soup project and um a few pears from a friend of ours so it was apple and pear they're my favorites yeah. of peach oh yeah wow yeah peaches will come back before we know it um so margaritas is, are you saying is it is a margarita served up is that when it's more blended and the ice is all the way through it no i've just in when I've ordered margaritas quite often in Melbourne because it's such a cocktail-centric you know, city and I hope nobody gets mad at me for this because Melbourne margaritas are delicious and there's nothing wrong with them. 
but I, <laughs> um, you know, usually have them in sort of a coop or something served up. Totally fine. It's delicious. It's chilled. It's, it's great. But I do, you know, I just grew up not as a child, but, you know, in my <laughs> yeah. of age years, drinking margaritas either frozen or on the rocks. Um, and frozen is definitely not often available here. I found it at a few places. Fonda had a great one not long ago. Um, uh, but I do, you know, I just miss the way that I've been used to serving them. And there's, um, there's a few spots that are pretty on it at the moment. Okay. Oh, that's good to know. Um, so I'm really, I'm really happy to hear that you're able, I'm really happy to hear that you're able to apply for permanent residency, um, on the basis of a partner visa. Can you tell us a little bit about that process and and what it's like to, um, negotiate Australia's visa system? Yeah, thank you. No, it's, um, honestly, I've never had to negotiate another country's visa system. So for me, it's quite straightforward to a point. You know, my first visa I applied to to stay here actually was um, the work-sponsored visa. And that one was a fail for understandable reasons. But I really came to understand the process as if it's a legal situation, you know. You have to – and I have a journalism degree myself. And so I'm pretty aware of how to properly support – um, arguments, what evidence is needed, you know, how to be completely sure that you're presenting accurate information. But I think that was a big thing for me that helped personally. I used a lawyer once for a consultation, but if, you know, I think a lot of people benefit greatly from using a lawyer because I found it a little bit, a little bit tricky and taxing, you know, you put in the first application. When you do, that was for us around $7,000. Um, and that was, you know, an emotional thing. You know, a couple trying to decide if they really wanted to be together. And, of course, we did. But it's just, you know, it's one thing. And then that went in and you're waiting and waiting. And at the moment, you know, the wait time for the temporary visa is quite long. I applied in July of 2018. And I got the decision at the end of April this year. And then two months later, I'm eligible to apply for the permanent one. I just hope, why didn't you give it to me now? But um, yeah, it's just constantly uploading documents, looking for evidence, thinking about, you know, for us in particular, where, you know, when I could take a picture with friends or family and not make it seem like I was just trying to do it for the visa, which I've heard someone say, doing it for the visa. But it's just, it's a weird, it's a weird thing to think about in your relationship and every time We've been able to get past applications and deadlines and due dates and fees. Everything's been really good. But I think, you know, similarly, I've had so many friends on student visas going, stressing out because their visa wasn't approved and they'd already paid for school. Or there's just sometimes a lot of uncertainty that goes into it. Yeah, and I guess a, a weight that's on a relationship that, um, yeah, that you, well, it just, uh, it's, there's a weight that's on a relationship that's not in a relationship that's not also entangled with visa issues. Yeah, exactly. And it's something that we're lucky to have. You know, it would be much harder for um, my partner to go to the United States and it's not really what we wanted to do. So we're lucky to have the option, but it definitely placed a weight. And just for the long periods of waiting and not knowing, 
you know, it took me almost two years to know if I was going to be able to stay here even, you know, on the temporary visa. Um, and now that, you know, that's part of the reason I couldn't go home, really, when I heard about my mom this week, because I wouldn't have, you know, as a permanent resident, I couldn't come back in guaranteed either. So I'm still in the limbo zone. Yeah, of course. I'm still in the limbo zone, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful to be in that zone, you know, but it is taxing have your have you been able to talk to your family and ask them what they think you should do like did they think you should stay here or do they wish you would come home I mean I'm sure they wish I could come home you know in a perfect world it, and not even in a perfect world a few months ago if this had happened it would have you know I did visit home in February when I learned that my mom was so sick and but I think they understand, too, that, you know, like I said, I have a life here, too. And for me to go now, I wouldn't be guaranteed to come back in, you know, a reasonable amount of time. I don't want to be morbid, but I'll probably, you know, miss my mom by a few days, um, given the way flights are at the moment. Not many are going out, so I'd have to fly west instead of east across the pacific so like basically go around the world (laughs) not all the way but oh really so the flight's longer um in addition to being more expensive i have to go through doha at the moment um but it's yeah i think they under like they've said they understand and of course you know you can't yeah if i could get there in time if she were getting any better but, you know, as someone goes into hospice, it's palliative. That's the, you know, the end of life. So that's rough. <laughs> it's so rough. Yeah, it's really tough. Caitlin, I think, um, yeah, you're super brave for having a chat to me today when you're, you're right in the thick of it. And as you say, you're really on that roller coaster. And, um, yeah, you don't quite know what's around the bend, but. Uh, I really thank you for sharing your story. It's really important that people have um, real people behind these statistics and and facts about visa workers. You're you're um, you're not you're not just one more visa worker. You're a real person with a really powerful story and you know a lot of uh, a lot to give. So thank you for giving to Australia. Thanks for the cookies the other week. They were super delicious. And, um, yeah, I really wish you and your family all the best. Thank you very much, Danny. And, yeah, thank you for doing all of this because, it, like I said, and I think I've said to you from the beginning, that just it's a bit of emotional support, you know, when we're not getting that financial sort of thing, just to have someone out there with our back is so excellent. <laughs> <laughs> it's my pleasure. Um, I look forward to celebrating your permanent residency. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Take care. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production.